0: If we can say together now. Praise be Jesus Christ, Christ. now and forever. forever. Praise be Jesus Christ, Christ. now and forever. forever. Praise Praise be Jesus Christ, Christ, Christ. now now and forever. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you, because by your holy cross, Let's pray now a prayer of protection. That God will protect us from any onslaught or retaliation of the enemy. Repeat with me: In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus I take authority and I bind all powers and forces in the air, in the ground, in the water, in the underground, in the nether world in nature and in fire. You are the Lord of the entire universe and I give you the glory for your creation. In your name, Jesus, I bind all demonic forces that have come against us, against my family, my vocation And I seal all of us in the protection of your precious blood that was shed for us on the cross. Mary, my mother, we seek your protection and intercession with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. For us, our families, our vocations, all who we are and all that we do, and surround us with your mantle of love to discourage the enemy. Say, Michael and our guardian angels, come defend us and our families in battle against all the ones that rule the earth, that roam the earth. In the name of Jesus, I bind and command all the powers and forces of evil to depart right now away from us, our homes, our lands, our loved ones, all that we own, our vocations. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for you are faithful and a very compassionate God, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, Amen. Please be seated. Vamos a hablar en español. Don't worry, I'm going to switch. Good evening. Buenas noches. Buenas noches. Good. Good. You're, you got an A. Very I that there was a lot of stuff happening in the heart. That's good. But if you haven't dealt with the stuff in your life, it can be scary because you're feeling stuff you never felt. Now, remember this. God is reality. He can only deal with the real you. The Trinity is not a dysfunctional home. The Trinity, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, must deal with the reality of you and me. The enemy, the devil, tries to distract us. So we won't deal with reality. The only way to be free and begin to live on Earth as it is in heaven we prayed in the our father is that god deal with the real you and the real me our issues last night i shared as a young man in the seminary jesus i heard him say bring two handkerchiefs he wanted to deal with the issue of my father beating me And my dad beat me bad. But Jesus didn't act as if it didn't happen. Now, this is scripture that we need to know. If we're going to advance in the spiritual life, if we are uh, going to stop living as orphans and as favorite sons and daughters in Jesus the Son, in the house of Papa, Papa, In that house called the tabernacle, there's no fighting. One time as I approached Jesus to expose him in my private chapel, I heard him speak in my house. In here, my son, actually he calls me pequeño. Pequeño. As you approach me to expose me, all of heaven feels my joy to see you. Imagine the joy of Jesus as I'm approaching to expose him is so great that his joy can be felt in all of heaven. But it's for you also. Jesus said in John 10, 10, repeat with me, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. But it's not just a good human life, he wants to share his divine life. He wants you and I to experience a taste that heaven begins now, that is his will. You don't have to discern that. But some of us are blocked because we haven't dealt with our wounds. Let me tell you what happens, I'm gonna use the symbolism. I don't know if you've ever seen a clown with a balloon and they kind of move it around and they make a little animal, you know, one of those long balloons. This is what happens when our heart is not well when we haven't dealt with our pain, when we haven't dealt with healthy guilt, and unhealthy guilt, when we're still dealing with anger, hurt. Imagine if I squeeze the middle of the balloon. That's the heart, it's blocked. What happens to the top part? It expands. That's ego. I, try to be the strong one. I, you can be very selfish. I, you don't share your heart. I, I, I. What happens to the bottom part? It also blows up. That's the sexual. When the heart isn't well, and the heart is the sexual organ, Now, I ask you, Jesus, now, through your mother, take us by the hand. And I ask you, Mother Mary, Mama, that's what I call Mary, I put the rosary around my hand because Mama takes me everywhere. I've learned that. And I'm going to share with you some experiences of personally being parented by the best of parents and the best of mothers. And I hold my rosary because that reminds me, she's holding my hand. I go nowhere alone because I'm little. I'm weak. So how does God begin to deal with us? Because he must, he wants you free. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, repeat with me, for freedom you were created. God wants us free. That's not in the Bible. But God wants you free of anything in the past, in the present, or worries about the future. He wants to be everything for you. Everything, And he wants you to be alive. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. He wants your marriage to be alive. One of my greatest sadnesses when I give marriage retreats is that most marriages are happy being, at best, mediocre. I didn't become a priest to be a so-so priest and just have to, well, be strong and put up with living alone, celibacy. My aunt Tula, who I spoke about last night, inspector of baseball, that short one, she told me, when, and I went to Borromeo in Cleveland for my first three years, and she said, Feliberto, when you get to the seminary, put your luggage outside go inside and ask where the chapel is. And you kneel in front of Jesus and you tell him, if I'm not gonna be a happy holy priest, kick me out of here. But if I am gonna be one, don't let me leave. So I did that. I, I came to the, the secretary and I said, where's your chapel? I didn't even come with luggage yet. I said, I need to go before I bring my luggage in. <laughs> And I knelt down, and that's what I said to him. I'll be dead honest with you, and my life hasn't been easy. I grew up with a screwed up family, was beaten by my dad, lived a terrible life as I rebelled, should have been in jail, I've been kidnapped, I haven't even told you about the robberies, I was ripped off $50,000 in Peru. We're gonna talk about that tonight. I've had death threats by, la- by letters. The drug world, in a little town, in a woman whose husband had died because he was involved in the drug world, always feared because the talk on the streets is, they're going to kill you when you're celebrating mass. But with all that, and I know there's some of you that have suffered much more, I am way happier than I deserve. I don't deserve to be this happy and joyful. I really don't. And I'll tell you where it comes from. I'm gonna say him, but also them, the Trinity. And God wants it for you. He really does, because he can't take his eyes off you. And he has eyes for no one else but for you. And that is the truth. So how do we move? Who was not here last night? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give a two-minute summary of last night. Okay, is that all right? Okay, okay, you can pay me later. (laughs) Last night, we spoke about what makes a person feel like they're orphaned emotionally and homeless. And some of us were orphaned. I gave some terrible, terrible situations last night. Do you remember last night? The woman whose mother never called her by her name? Remember that one? Her mother only called her what? Bastard bitch. I'm sorry I'm saying that in front of Jesus, but that's the truth. A woman who first time she slept in a bed was in college. Her father was a drunk. A woman who was raised where? A house of prostitution and I'm not even going to get into the details that she finally at the age of 70 something let it out screaming crying in my arms but what I've learned in life it isn't so much what was done to us or even the sins we've committed that is not the defining factor and some people they live life as they're still victims. So, how are you doing, Susie? Oh, Father, if you only knew. And their whole identity is their wounds. But that's not your identity. Fulton Sheen, the great archbishop, said that the sun that melts the candles softens them makes them moldable is the same sun that hardens waters that are muddied in other words both experience the same thing one is softened moldable, changeable and the other one becomes it resists and it becomes hard as rock. but both experience the exact same thing so i've met some people in my life who've experienced somewhat stuff But they're dead they're like the walking dead they don't have life there's no joy and i've met other people that have gone through horrendous things and they have more life in them than i have words to describe so it's not so much what happened to me or what was done to me is how do i respond So I want to begin by sharing with you the right way to suffer versus the wrong way to suffer. And I was taught this in secret, in total darkness interior. For 10 years, I went through something. I went through something that Jesus warned me, my son, prepare for a strong trial that's approaching. I thought, oh goody, they're going to shoot me this time. I'll be kidnapped and fired. I get to go home?" It was much worse. He warned me a month and a half before. You remember Jesus. It was on my priest retreat. He said, my son, prepare for a strong trial that's approaching. The event killed me, but I didn't die. And now I wouldn't trade it for the world. See, when you feel that way about something that is bad, then you know you're healed. So healed that, oh, I hope you don't change the detail of it because it was worth it. I didn't feel that when it began. So let's begin with what's the wrong way to suffer because we're going to deal with this evening how to move. Oh, I didn't get into describing the in a couple minutes. Let me go to that, okay? Because I don't want to lie to you. Okay. Last night we spoke about parenting is about handing down a blessing. And it isn't a cross on the forehead, by the way. It's five ways to show your children and you and I should have experienced in God's biblical plan, his perfect plan, that we would have received what's known in the Bible as the blessing. And you'll find this in such places as Sirach chapter three, verse nine, Genesis chapter 27, Genesis 48, Jesus in Mark 10, 16, it's biblical. And the blessing, when it was handed to the children, and you see this in the patriarchs, Jacob giving it to the children of Joseph in Genesis 48. And what you find is five ways of communicating love. The first one, and this is the blessing, and our heart was made for this. A lot of loving affection, touch, kisses, tickles, rubbing of your back, hugs. The human heart needs that. If we didn't get that when we were little, as we go into adolescence, we look for it, and sadly in the wrong places. Second of all, words from mom and dad that affirmed us, that taught us, instructed us, and at times corrected us. Words that were I love you, if I'm wrong as a parent, forgive me. Words that communicated to teach me, who am I? I would have loved to have had a mom and a dad that sat with me and said, you look sad, tell me what's happening. And then they helped me to understand what I was feeling and to trust what I was feeling. You can tell people that haven't had this, when they get emotional, they'll say, I'm sorry, Father. Oh, no, you don't have to say I'm sorry. What you're feeling is correct. You should feel hurt. So that kind of assistance to trust my heart. Are you with me? Now, this job is more for mothers. Mothers need to be connected. Put your, head in, your finger in your head, please. The most important trip on the natural, here to here, the heart. From my head to my heart, what does that mean? What does that look like in family life? Say with me, I must allow myself to feel and to share what I'm feeling. That means intimacy, that's healthy. People who have struggles with pornography are very quiet. They're quiet, it's like a flat line emotionally. How you doing? Hmm? They're quiet. they, They have a hard time connecting. Third thing of the blessing. Repeat with me, children, spell, Love, T-I-M-E. We should have had a lot of time with mom and dad. Yes, to play games, I used to play table tennis with my dad, but time so he could get into my world. Because children should be the center of the family. They're the most vulnerable, they need the most attention. But if you lived with an alcoholic father who got all the attention, dad if you lived with a man or a woman at home that got that would explode or, or there was problem in the marriages they got all the attention and the children live secret lives and the sad thing about it is no one says anything hell could be falling down in that home and no one says anything i know a family Husband's an alcoholic, daughter's an alcoholic, four DUIs. The husband put a rifle to the wife's head. Do you think they've talked about it? Do you think they called to get help? Shh. You're not allowed to feel or to say, ouch, I think there's something wrong here and these are family members of mine, by the way, and they don't want the twins, my twin brother and I, to know. Don't tell the twins. Because they know, we'll know how to deal with it. But you ask them, how are you doing? Fine. Fine? Are you out of your mind? Do you know what the definition of insanity is? To do the same thing over and over again and expect changes. That's insanity. To repeat the same thing over and over again and expect that it's gonna change. That's insanity. Fourth element of the blessing. If mom and dad were prayerful, and they took time with me, and they knew me, I feel like they're in my corner. They support me, they're proud of me, and they help me discern God's will. It's not up to me as a child to have to figure it out. What am I supposed to do with my life? No, they might say, honey, you have a real gift for taking care of people. You have a heart of a mother, you're going to make a good mother, or a son. God's giving you a lot of courage. You don't lie. You're a young man of integrity. You would make a good husband. So they help you. They give you feedback. They're involved in your life. And the fifth element is based on Hebrews chapter 12, 5 to 7. Even when moments are a little tough and there's tension, there's tough conversations that have to be discussed, But you come out feeling closer, even in moments of discipline. You feel closer. It was good that we had a tough conversation. But guess what? I understand you more now. And the son or daughter feels they're loved unconditionally. No matter what, even when you made a mistake, even when you came out late, even when you got drunk. Come here. Let's talk about this. What's going on in your life? Why did you lie to us? Why did you think you had to lie to us and stay out with your friends? My point is, that's a tough time. There's tension. It's a little crisis. But even those moments, the Bible says, Hebrews 125 to 7, consider it a blessing. Are you with me? This is what life's about. And this is the way to become alive and sharing his life dealing with real issues now jeremiah 29 says verse 11 repeat with me for i know well the plans i have in mind for you plans for your welfare not for your woe plans to give you a future and a hope god has a plan for you before you and i existed he wants you to be alive and happy. But guess who else has a plan? I call him red legs, old red legs. Satan. He also has a plan for us. The first letter of St. Peter chapter 5 verse 8, it says he's like a roaring lion surrounding us and he's looking at us and weighing in. he attacks when we're weak, when our defenses are low. And then he doesn't play fair he tempts you to fall, and when you fall, he pounds the daylight out of you. horrendous. We want to take their life. And he's always wants to. This is the greatest attack on the natural. I'm not talking about possession. On the natural. He wants to distract us. Could someone, can I, can you lend me this, please? This is one of Satan's greatest Tactics today. iPhone, G phone, B phone, D phone, whatever you want to call them, smartphone, dumb phone, blue phone, you know what I'm talking about. It's not wrong to have a phone. This is destroying family life. I see it all over. I travel. I see them in the airports, families. No one talks. The other day, I was blessed to go to the ice cream parlor in right here in Akron. What's it called? How was it? very good. You've been there? It's good, isn't it? Oh man, my taste buds were slain in the spirit. I went to this, what do you call it again? Mary coils. Oh, okay. I'll put that in my spiritual journal. And guess what? I saw two girls. Now, the, one, the, 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 the little group that I was with couldn't see them because they were behind them. Two girls, teenagers. I'm sure they were friends or sisters. Let's go have ice cream. The whole time. One of them. The other one sitting there silent. The other one. And the other one. And supposedly... The advertisement is, stay connected. This kills the soul. Listen well. There's now studies that those that have these have depression, 75% more chance. Because now they get into videos, In all these video games. I've heard confessions of young men confessing their attachment to video games. In the middle of the confession, they've been transformed and Satan speaks to me through them. They were possessed. Now I haven't seen that once. In Peru, I was chosen to be an exorcist. They're confessing their sin of this and demons start speaking. What do I humbly recommend for families? Everybody comes home, turns off the phones, put them in a basket. We talk. We talk. Maria, the groceries I'm selling, right? And I'll be selling them again. Husband comes home, children come home, university students, guess what they do? I've seen the basket in their house. All the phones are there, and what do they do at dinner? How are you feeling? Tell me. This woman grew up with a crazy family, but she lives in one of the healthiest families that I know now. Youth! Listen well. Do you want to be happy? Because what is first in your life, I'll translate that, what you spend most time on becomes your God. Most people say, I don't have time for prayer, Father. It's because they spend so much time on this or video games or whatever because that's become your God. And things, people, or places make lousy gods. And parents, you have an authority to look at your children's phones and see what they're watching and looking at. Some of your children, I've dealt with this in my house, are looking at videos how to commit suicide how to cut themselves because they feel so dead here. And I'm not even gonna tell you where they are being advised to cut themselves. Because they feel so dead. There's then some other videos, how to invite Moho. You've heard of Moho? Who's heard of Moho? You haven't heard of Moho? Guess what, you, you play with moho on the phone, you get possessed. I speak strongly about this, because this is what comes to me day in and day out, and the children are being devoured. Satan hates innocence. So he's destroyed families, he's destroying marriages, reinventing marriage, so now he's going after the most innocent ones. I apologize for getting a little miffed, but this is what's called holy indignation. I cannot sit back and do nothing. Because as a father, Philip, a priest should be a protector through truth, innocence, and a lot of compassion. And so should fathers, dads, you need to be protectors. It's in the Bible. In the book of Genesis chapter 2. I think you got the drift. Phones are destroying people, families. You have no idea. Let me touch something briefly. And this is all because their hearts are dead. So when you don't deal with reality of what I'm feeling, you are a sucker to fall into illusion. The video games don't exist I told me the other day in, in a youth Bible group, a, a racial group, she said, I said, look what the devil does. And I've watched, I want you to know Batman, and I've watched Superman. And I said, but look at the devil, but I know who is really my superhero. He's everything for me. But some people who don't know him, they fall into that. And you know what she said? Oh, but they give them hope. Superman doesn't exist. Neither does Batman and all those other whatever you call them. But they'll watch more hours, those games, and you know, Superman 1, Superman 2, Superman 3, Superman 4. I think they're up to like 50 now, Superman 50. And they go, they wait hours to enter, or oh, when they watch what he called it, Star Wars. My gosh, people even spend the night. That's all a sign of orphanage their hearts are dead and he's waiting for them you know sometimes with priests we share how you were called to be a priest and one priest that I know very well said to me did I ever tell you how I was called I said no he said I used to be a spy in the US Army in one of the Gulf Wars in the Middle East I would go in with my driver who was a Muslim, and we would go into a particular country to do my espionage work. But when I finished, I had to, they would turn off the lights and we had to scram, get out of there quickly, so they wouldn't find us. And one day, my driver says to me, Mr. Smith, what are you doing here? I'm sitting next to you. Now he was a Muslim, he was doing spy espionage work in a Muslim country. The conversation continues. Mr. Smith, what are you doing here? I'm sitting next to you. And then eventually after he asked him, he said, you're a Catholic, huh? Yes. What are you doing here? Do you believe Jesus is God? The Muslim said. Yes. What are you doing here, Mr. Smith? Do you believe that bread is Jesus? Yes. What are you doing here? If I believe Jesus was God, Mr. Smith, And I believe that bread becomes Jesus, whose God I would never leave the room where he's at. I have a question to ask us. How much time do we spend with him? Because when you're with him, Eventually, you will meet the Father, the Holy Spirit, and heaven will suddenly approach you at infinite speed. And they will love you, understand you. They will be the family you've never had. And you will meet because Jesus wants you to meet his mother so she can become your mother. Let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Jesus, who's God, and and, and the other day I I heard a confession of a young boy, suicidal, because of phones, by the way. I had to command an evil spirit. I'm not even going to say the name. Suddenly he said, Father, I'm happy. He was suicidal, brought in from school. I prayed over him, had him renounce a particular demon that specializes in suicides. And I said, I want you to, in the name of Jesus, renounce this spirit. And he did. I start praying over him to God to fill him. And he suddenly says, just as a little boy, Father, I'm happy. Something's lifted. Yeah, the demon took off. Let's go to Luke chapter 6, verse 12. So did Jesus pray or not? <laughs> With Papa. You know, the word Abba does, means, Abba means dada. Jesus called his father dada. Isn't that beautiful? Dada. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. You remember that, Lord? And all night, he continued in prayer. No, I know you don't have time for all night but you might have time for 15 minutes. Do away with some time on the phone, in video games, in internet. You'll have time for him, guarantee you. The brother of this young boy that was delivered from that spirit that was tempting him to commit suicide, he told me, my brother, I think he's like 11 years old, spends eight hours a day, on the phone, eight hours a day. He'll need a lot of help. So how does God free us? You wanna know? One thing, it doesn't happen without him because he knows everything. Can we take a commercial break with a joke? Because this is heavy stuff. Do you mind? Okay, Father, there was a pastor who the roof was caving in of the rectory. There were termites in the, in the rectory. The church was falling apart. The air conditioning wasn't working. The heating wasn't working. They lived in Akron, Ohio. So the father was desperate. He had been praying to God, praying to God. And a man comes who wasn't Catholic and says, excuse me, uh, father, do you baptize dogs? And said, no, no, sir, we don't believe in that but there's some church a couple miles away that does. He said, but come in and have a cup of coffee. The guy comes in, he says, well, you know, after they're talking and he's giving him some, you know, cookies and coffee, he says, what were you thinking? Well, you know, Father, I wanted to give a little donation. Oh, really? What kind of donation? Remember, he has all these needs, financial needs. I wanted to give, you know, just small, you know, $4 million. And And the priest said, why didn't you say your dog was Catholic? So as the years pass, of course, he's fixed his rectory, he's fixed the church, the air conditioning is working, the heat is working, he's got a new car, he feels like life is pretty good, but he's haunted by this, oh my gosh, I think I committed a sacrilege. This is the type of sin that I think only bishops can absolve. So he goes to talk to the bishop, he says, Bishop, I did something really stupid a couple years ago. I baptized a dog. And he told me his story. I was anxious. I couldn't sleep at night. I was pounding, pounding, begging God. And when this man came and he said he wanted his dog baptized, he gave me a donation of $4 million. he said, I I wonder if this sin can even be forgiven. He said, no, it can be forgiven. And obviously you were overcome by anxiety, fear. You were haunted. Your defenses were low. You weren't thinking right. You were desperate. Yes, of course, I will absolve you for your penance. Ask the man, when does he want confirmation for the dog? (laughs) Okay. Had you heard that one before? Okay, I'm glad, okay. So how does God begin to move us from being an orphan, it's up to me to be happy, it's up to me to be strong, it's up to me to be the only resource. To be an orphan, how does it does move, move you from a state of feeling homeless, that I can't share my heart, that all my resources and my gifts are not enough to fix my problems, my issues? If you were to read Judges chapter seven, Gideon, you find the story there. Now remember what Jesus, uh, actually it's it's Yahweh, it's the Father, in Isaiah 55, eight and nine. Repeat with me, my ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts, your thoughts. As the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts, above your thoughts. So God's ways of fixing it are very different. In Judges chapter seven, Israel is, you know, has to fight against the Midianites. They've taken the Ark of the Covenant, which was the holiest place for the Jews. They have 125,000 soldiers Israel only has 32,000. I'm not good in math. How many times more is that? 32,000 versus 125. Huh? Four point whatever. Okay, thank you. He shows up to Yahweh and he says, Help! You know what God says to him? You're too many, you're too strong. Announced to them, who's ever afraid can leave. Ten thousand leave. So he goes again. Things seem to be getting worse. And he says, 000. ten thousand. Ten thousand left. Now I only have 22,000 and God says, take him to the river, have them drink water. Those who drink the water, bringing the water to their mouth, leave. Those who lap it up like a dog can stay. He ended up with 300. Now, I want you to listen to this. Christianity is a religion a spirituality where the weak are made strong. So God can be everything. Jesus said in John 15:5 repeat with me apart from me you can do nothing. Nothing, but we don't know what nothing means. So he allows situations in our life where we can't do it. It might be for some of you, you're a straight A student, your GPA is 20.6, and you take a final exam and you flunk. Oh, you have a cow. Oh my gosh, I never thought I would get less than 4.0. For others is, you've been drinking, your wife tells you, honey, in Spanish, we call drinking too much, you raise your elbow too much. Levantas el codo demasiado. And it might be that you have no control over your drinking. And by the way, alcoholism, listen well. I work with alcoholics. I deal with family life, so I deal with everything. Most alcoholics think that to be an alcoholic is someone that you're lying on the ground, dead drunk. That's an alcoholic, Father. An alcoholic, repeat with me, is someone that even if they drink once a year, once a year, once a year, year, but they get drunk, that once a year. That's an alcoholic. The alcohol is stronger than them. Alcoholics are a tough breed. They don't admit, and they usually admit, I have a problem, when they've lost everything. And they always say, I can stop drinking. I got this under control. Could I ask the men to please stand, men? Most of us were told in one way or another verbally or non-verbally, you have to be strong. And we have issues that we've never worked on. Your wife has told you to the cows come home. Honey, you don't know how to talk, to share your heart. I'm that way, you have to love me. And we men usually get help when we are in a crisis. The only thing left of your house is ashes. Father, can you help me out? Please be seated. Women, they come knocking on the door immediately. Most of my appointments are all women and they're talking to me about their husbands. And they they know they need help and they want help. Whatever it takes, Father. So God begins to fix this state of orphanage where your heart is blocked and and God can't get in because emotionally you're disconnected. Grace, God, builds, works on the natural human heart. You're not well here. You're not going to feel close to God ever. And the fact is, he's closer to you than you. (laughs) That's the truth. He's closer to me than me. He's more me than me. When I had, and I was in this kidnapping, and I had done an examination of conscience, a two hour examination of conscience, and I could tell we weren't anymore in Lima because you couldn't hear the honking on the horns. In Peru, people live honking the horn. I mean, they sleep there. They move there, they eat there, they honk the horn. I couldn't hear the honking of the horns anymore. So I knew we were probably, all of Peru is desert. And it's true, we were in the middle of nowhere by now. And at one moment, after two hours of this, examining my conscience and preparing to die, I had an experience, a mystical experience. I had no longer connection, aware that I was kidnapped, I was not even aware that I was in Peru. In fact, I was only aware of one reality, the Trinity. I was in front of the most beautiful light. It was home. I was known, accepted, cherished. Every part of my DNA was tsunamied by God. You remember that. And you know it took me two days to forgive you. (laughs) To this day, I still swallow tears when I'm sharing this. And I was told this, my son, what separates you and us, you, us, the Trinity, time, your life on earth, and heaven is a thread. In other words, there is no distance between God and us. And now I will share how to suffer incorrectly versus correctly. The majority of the world suffers incorrectly. That's why There's such confusion on identity, so many addictions, depression, everybody's on pills. It's ridiculous. He showed me in that 10 year period of suffering that killed me, but I didn't die. The details aren't important. And he warned me. I was going through this in the dark. First lesson. Suffering, this is Psalm 6, suffering blinds you. Suffering makes you and I think this is the final word. This is reality. This is what he showed me. I didn't understand this, that my heart was taking notes. My head did not understand, but my heart knew, was being taught. The disciples went through a Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. And each of those days symbolizes a stage in the process of being healed. I'll explain. Holy Thursday, the disciples left him. They took off. They went by themselves. They avoided their pain. The majority of the world is in that stage of Holy Thursday. I don't feel, I don't let myself feel, I don't cry, I don't talk about it. And I try to be strong. I did a couple's retreat in Latin America. A couple told me, Father, my husband and I fight about everything. Did you say everything? Everything. I put the plates here, he's fighting. I put the silverware here, we're arguing. We fight about everything, Father. Is he an alcoholic? No. Are you an alcoholic? No. Is he unfaithful? No. Are you unfaithful? No. One plus one wasn't matching, why? So I asked the Holy Spirit, okay, what's underneath all this? I heard clearly. They had abortions. I asked, did you ever have an abortion? They both lowered their head. Yes, Father, when we were dating, we had four abortions. Have you ever talked about it? We've never brought it up. Have you ever cried about it? No, Father. I said, this is what's underneath. All your bickering over nothing. It's like the, fa- the house burned down and no one said, Did you smell the smoke? They kept it to themselves. They tried to be strong. That's Holy Thursday. Doesn't have to be as dramatic as that. But I use a strong example to prove a point. It's when something has happened in your life or you've done something or something was done to you or a tragedy happened and you and I tell no one, we keep it inside and we try to avoid the topic like the plague. My father lived in that state for the rest of his life. I asked my dad, tell me about grandfather. I wanted to know about my grandfather. I was seven years old. He said, it's none of your business. He never talked about his father. His father was a drunk, beat his mother. His sister, my aunt Val, told me he was a monster. My father lived in the state of Holy Thursday his whole life. He had little joy. He was a very angry man. And when he got angry, he wouldn't talk for three, four days in the house. And everybody walked like on pins and needles. This was his way of self-sufficiency. I don't allow myself to feel my pain. That's Holy Thursday. Good Friday is the period of time in the period of suffering. That's the way most people. That's the way not to suffer. Is don't let yourself not feel. Don't talk about it. That's the way. And you know what happens when you don't suffer? When you suffer, excuse me, and you don't deal with your suffering, you suffer more. The way to suffer more is not dealing with your suffering, your pain. You get depression. You become suicidal. On and on and on and on again. And on. You enter into addictions. Galore. Good Friday, they had to look at Jesus on the cross. I have to deal with the event. I have to let myself feel, and if it's necessary, I must cry and talk to someone about it. If I came in and someone shut the door on my finger and I say, thank you for coming, coming right in. Father, isn't your hand hurting? No, it's, it's only a flesh wound. Father, you've lost three fingers. No problem. You don't give yourself. Well, Good Friday, you finally give yourself permission to say, ouch! Ouch! and you try to put words to that pain, you feel it because that suffering is doing a miraculous work in your heart. It's making you more human. It's divinizing you, it's making you holy. Some people, the first letter of St. Peter, chapter four, verse one says, those who have suffered in the flesh like Jesus have broken with sin. Some people only after real pain do they finally deal with their alcoholism or their anger or whatever the issues, the suffering forced them to look at their pain. And beware, if you like reading, you might read something and you think you understand it. That only means you understand it here. Just because we understand something here and we have degrees doesn't mean we understand it here. Are you with me? This is how to, this is how heaven gets close, dealing with this stuff. That's why God allows suffering, because suffering makes us look up. I need you. I need someone else. Suffering makes me realize this isn't heaven. Suffering makes me need God. And suffering shows me I'm not God and I'm not self-sufficient. I need God. Do You know, I've learned to cry so much that when we watch an emotional movie in the community, guess who they put the box of Kleenex next to? (laughs) I cry so much, it's hilarious. I cry over videos over German Shepherds, and I have a German Shepherd. (laughs) And I cry well. So Good Friday, you have to cry, hopefully talk to someone that knows the process and understands it. How do you know someone that doesn't understand the process? You're talking to them, and they're telling you something horrendous, and you say something like this, have faith. And I ask persons, what did you want to say? I wanted to slap them, Father, of course I have faith. Or you start crying, okay, stop crying, that's enough, okay, okay, stop crying. Stop crying. That's when you can tell someone who has no clue. There was a priest in an Asian country. I was giving a priest retreat. The priest, for the first time, was saying it I was sexually abused as a child. He was weeping, screaming in my arms. I brought the Blessed Sacrament, because I have a part in my priest retreats where I bring the monstrance and the priest holds Jesus to their heart. The priest started to wail, screaming, as the love of God was dealing with his wound. The bishop said to him, stop crying. You know what I wanted to tell the bishop? Shut up! Don't say a word! A bishop. No clue about the most important part of our human reality, our heart because the mind cannot wrap itself around God. Only the heart is big enough. That's why it's so important to bring order with right reason and truth. But the heart needs to be dealt with. In my family, in my community, I call it my family, we we have a day called Heart Night. Now we do this every day. And all we do, the men get together and we talk and share our hearts. Women, you would love this stuff. And we talk, we talk. And since we know how to listen to each other in a therapeutic way, we'll say, when you said this, your voice lowered, or you paused, what's happening in there? We're very observant. We listen what's called therapeutically. And then once a month, we do it with the sisters. We have more intimacy in my community than the majority of marriages, but we have no sex. Because intimacy is more about the heart. Real intimacy has little to do with sex. Sex in the marital act between a man and a woman, that's sacramental. It's only, honey, we've had a beautiful week. We've understood each other. We've respect each other. We've been playful. Let's celebrate this. Let's do a cheers. Like if you bring two cups of champagne, cheers. And they celebrate that in the marital bed. Beautiful, good stuff. Holy Saturday. They're still in pain. Jesus hasn't made himself obvious that he's alive and he's he's the solution. And he's brought victory over hell, sin, death, and Satan. And they're still in pain, it's not finished. And in that stage, we can last a long time. I'm better father, but I'm not well yet. I'm not totally well. I still cry a few times. This happens a lot in infidelities. It takes a long time to heal from an infidelity. Sexual abuse takes a long time. And Easter Sunday begins to happen in the heart when God begins to be very obvious. You begin to be very sensitive to him. You've changed a lot. You're com- you are compassionate. You are empathetic. You are merciful. There's been a lot of conversion in you. And God begins where once on Holy Thursday, you cry out, where are you? Now you begin to experience on Easter Sunday, where are you not? Your heart, your eyes, your ears of hear have become very sensitive to God and his footprints can be sensed a mile away. And then you begin to see it was all worth it. Praise God that you allowed this. You've grown in your prayer life, you've matured, you are more other-centered, it's about others, you're more help, you've grown, you've matured. That's the way we suffer correctly. But you need to be with someone that understands it and they can help you. This is where you are. You're moving in the right direction. Or this will take a lot of time, be patient but it will end. The sun will come out. Suffering does not have the last word. Are you with me? Okay. So God has to weaken us. How? Any of us confess sins, some of them over and over again? Or my, anybody? Huh? Okay. Let's talk about one, one of the major ones anger to feel anger is not a sin but to act out of anger it's a sin let's go to ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 and 27 being a hispanic latino that's one a little emotion that that little baby was alive and well in this little peruvian i thought i didn't have any anger issues at, in the rectory, I was easy to live with. It was fun. We watched games. It was so nice until I founded my community and I lost my patience. One time, I told the brother, you thank God I didn't meet you before my conversion. I would kill you. Of course, I would go to confession. <laughs> now, say this with me. I'll quote St. Augustine. If, repeat, you give a bad example, In your sin, give a good example in your returning to God. Which basically means repent, admit it, ask forgiveness quick. Don't make excuses. Nice to meet you. I'm very angry at you. I don't like the color of your hair. I'm making this up, okay? Obviously. (laughs) And then the poor thing just sitting there. But blonde hair just rubs me the wrong way. And then I get angry about it. Father says, good night tonight. And I say, get a job. And then we talk. What happened? I don't know. I just see blonde hair and it sets me off. Now, obviously, that's funny, and it's cute about that. But some people are set off for whatever, but they make an excuse. Well, that's the way I am. You have to love me. Or let's say you're not a morning person. Anybody know someone who's not a morning person? Don't talk to me. A father said to his daughter, honey, how are you doing in the morning? I'm doing well. Could you please tell your face? because she was in a bad mood every morning. Do you know that's a demon that's oppressing the soul? And people sadly think, well, that's just, I'm not a morning person. I've had to pray over people and that demon has been with them like a neighbor their whole life. And they think they're not a morning person. Guess what? I used to be that. I used to get up as a teenager, go into the kitchen, everybody left. I love the mornings now. I wake up at two in the morning. I love it my good espresso, Cuban coffee. It's wonderful. But my whole teenage years up to my conversion at the age of 20, I'm not a morning person. Don't talk to me. A lie. Made excuses. It's just that I'm not a morning person. Does anybody know anybody that makes excuses like that? Raise your hand. Raise them. Come on. Anybody in your life like that? And it doesn't have to be just a morning person. It can be, you know, they're upset, they're angry, whatever. It can be that the Cleveland Browns lost. Sorry about that. (laughs) St. Paul says, be angry. You You can feel angry. It's all right, not a sin. But do not sin. Do not let the sun go down. Don't go to bed angry. And give give no opportunity to the devil. How does the devil attack? With anger. Your husband calls you and says, Honey, the boss has said I have to work late. Again? She hangs up the phone. She starts thinking in her mind. I'm putting his pillow, a blanket on the couch. He's sleeping on his own tonight. A few minutes later, the idea comes. Don't warm up his food, serve it cold. So she just leaves food, it's cold. She's gone to bed, the thoughts on her mind My dad told me not to marry him. She goes to bed with the D word. I'm going Thursday to talk to the divorce attorney. So it started this size, he's sleeping outside, I'm gonna, and now it's become this size, it's like a snowball. That's what's called in the spiritual life, repeat with me, distorted thinking. In AA they call it, repeat with me, stinking Stinkin'. thinking. It's diabolical. That's the way the devil attacks. He puts negative thoughts and feelings in our heart. They can be that you feel afraid, I can't do this, I'm never going to amount to anything, I'm never going to overcome this sin, etc, etc, etc. It's negative. It's "You feel useless, you feel worthless, you feel helpless." That's the ordinary way that old red legs attacks. How do we change? Take out your rosaries. You have rosaries? If you don't, you can buy one afterward. (laughs) The Lord taught me this in 2005 because I used to try to overcome my impatience by I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get angry. You know what happened to me? I got angry. I tried to do it with my willpower. God has to destroy all self-sufficiency. That was an orphan speaking. I have to be strong. I have to overcome this with my willpower. And God said, son, you're going to keep falling. I used to go to confession and tell the priest, don't move. I'll be right back. This is what the Lord taught me. When you're angry, add to that fearful, discouraged, frustrated, a sense of hopelessness, defeated, self-hatred. You get the drift? Anything that takes away your peace, your joy, and your hope. I tell myself, Philip, You are thinking like an orphan. You are God's only Philip. You're not an orphan. And when I do this, I grab my rosary. Jesus is holding my right hand. Our Lady is holding my left hand. And I begin to say in each bead, repeat with me, Jesus, Jesus. Mary. So they're in front of me, and they're dealing with the demons. Now I want you to know this, repeat with me. With my five senses, I am only aware of 15% of reality. 85% of reality is invisible. In other words, what we're dealing with problems often at home Fighting is more invisible than it is visible. So we know how to have to learn how to get back to peace as soon as possible. Because when you have peace, God seems close. When you have joy, heaven is close. When you have hope, God is very close, whatever you're facing. So I grab my rosary and I tell myself, you are blind, do not trust what you're feeling. And immediately, since I'm a a son, their favorite son, I let them do the work. Repeat with me. Jesus, Jesus. Mary. Mary. Next speed. Jesus, Mary. Jesus, Mary. When I did this for the first time in 2005, I was shocked. In one decade, 12 seconds, I had peace again. My mouth dropped. I've heard of testimonies in different parts of the world where people have been gripped by fear, horrendous. And their mother said, honey, get your rosary. Father Philip said to do this. They start saying this, and by the end of a few moments, maybe a minute, they're laughing. The Lord fought for them. This is so important in the spiritual life. My brother, could you please stand up? Por favor. What is your name? Gabriel. Gabriel, habla espanol? Bendito sea Dios, ven acá, ven acá, por favor. Okay, Gabriel. Okay, I'm gonna ask you to move around, move around. I'm the the surgeon and I wanna operate on Gabriel. Stop moving around, good. Keep moving. Now, would I be able to operate on Gabriel? Why? He's moving. A surgeon must, what? Put the su- patient to sleep, and then the surgeon can do the work. Let's, thank you, Gabriel. Muy amable. Let's apply this to the spiritual heart and life. If there's agitation in my life, if I'm always angry, worried, down, frustrated, discouraged, and there's noise in here. The divine physician Jesus cannot do his work. So what did the devil do? He keeps allowing situations that push our wounds, our buttons. So we get agitated, we get angry, we get frustrated, we get discouraged, on and on and on and on. We avoid him because God's allowing those issues. And he wants to allow those issues because he's trying to convince you. You need me. And I'm the only one that can give you security and peace and a sense of home and well-being. If God could pull off in my kidnapping where I was so happy and joyful that I was giddy, they kept threatening me. Shut up, because I couldn't stop laughing. Imagine, you have guns on your head, and you're like, (laughs) ha, (laughs) <laughs> We're going to kill you. I said, go right ahead. <laughs> I was, and it wasn't a laughter like over a joke. It was joy that was oozing out of my, my pores. I couldn't stop, the joy was so great. If he can give you joy in that situation, he can give you joy and peace and hope in everything you face. And he will do it. But he wants to use those situations over and over and over and over again, so you will need him. And you go to him immediately. Let's say you're not, you don't have the blessing to have the blessed sacrament at home. Well, you can take out your rosary. How do you do it? Jesus. 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 Let me tell you, I was in front of a possessed person in, in, in Chile I started saying in front of the possessed person who was threatening me, (laughs) who cares? And I started saying, Jesus, Mary, no, no, Jesus, Mary, no, no, Jesus, Mary. When you say the name of Jesus and Mary, hell shakes. So you have an authority as a baptized son and daughter of God. Hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's talk about certain sins. Do you mind if we're going a little long? Cause this is a lot of stuff, I apologize. Is that all right? I'm sorry? Yes, okay. Briefly, Romans chapter one. I used to be the priest in my diocese that dealt with men who struggled with same-sex attraction, homosexuality. The homosexual community would go to me, I don't know why. And there's not one poor gentleman that I dealt with as they were dying of AIDS that did not have this father wound. They were so starving for the father's attention, affection, attention, that their heart would explode into the sexual. And if you want a good book on this, on to explain why someone can grow up, by the way, it's not proven that you're born that way. I've asked psychologists and psychiatrists throughout the world. It's a theory, but it's far from being proven. And the book is called, and I recommend it, The Battle for Normality, Ignatius Press. I know a lot of parents who tell me, my daughter has come home saying she's a lesbian, or this, and she thinks she is. One man came to me saying, Father, ever since I was a little boy, I've been a girl. I'm having a sex change. I prayed with him had him renounce a particular demon. I said the prayer of the breast of St. Patrick. He wrote me months later. I don't know if you remember me, Father. I came to you with this in this country. Ever since we prayed together and I renounced this and you prayed that prayer with me, Father, the thought does not even occur to me to have that operation and go through that garbage. John Hopkins University, the department that dealt only with this type of operations, closed the department down because it doesn't work. I want to recommend a book for parents, how to explain these tough issues made this way. Catholic Cancers Press by Miller, Layla Miller, and Trent Horn puts it in language that you can speak that protects their purity, but it's truthful of children. Made that way. How to deal with these things that your children are being raped by today. It's in their face, in school, everywhere. One one text, Romans 1, beginning with verse 24. Therefore God gave them. He's speaking about those who struggle with same-sex attraction. And I'm not homophobic. I've had friends that ended up living as brothers, by the way. They died in the state of grace. I already said to you, I've, I've ministered. I've dealt with people that are three-quarters into the operation. They look more like a woman than a man, so to speak. I had a man that used to call me secretly to tell me he had had a sex change. And he had a conversion to Jesus back to the Catholic Church. And he said, if I knew now, then what I know now, I would have never done this. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving their own, in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Every man that I anointed on their deathbed told me they were miserable. Every man that I've ever talked to My heart goes out to them. And by the way, if you want to understand a little more about the issue of what's happening in the church today, I recommend a book and about American culture by Bella Dodd. She was a communist who worked with Joseph Stalin, the leader of the Soviet Union. He had agents that were filtering in into the American culture, universities, atheists, and people that were living immoral lives. And she, by herself, infiltrated, just by herself, she was one of the agents. She had a conversion experience in the 1950s. She, by herself, infiltrated into the Catholic seminary system 1,100 atheist homosexuals. Because Joseph Stalin knew he could not defeat the church and United States from without, so he went within. The devil hates the church. But I have good news for you. There's a way out. I know men that lived were militant in that lifestyle, who are now happily married. I've seen God deliver those that want to have a sex change. They're now well, praise be Jesus Christ. I knew a man that used to dress up as a woman. He's now free. When I began the prayer experience with him, the lights of the house went out. Satan was furious. We prayed with a light, the prayer. He's now set free. He did it. What is the solution? I'll put it to you very simply. And this is Teresa Vavla. Repeat with me. Some sins, some wounds are only driven out by a strong experience of God's love. So that book, The Battle for Normality, will give you material how to discuss intelligently from a psychiatrist that has worked exclusively with the homosexual community in Holland. He can't even give out his card where he ministers out of because they'll kill him. I know two ministries in the world where in one of them, I'm not even gonna give you the country, 90, they have graduating classes of 90 men and women involved in that homosexual lifestyle after periods of 90 days, three periods of therapy, adoration, and sometimes even an exorcism. 90 at a time are being freed. Hallelujah. I know another one in south america they work exclusively with the homosexual community they're being free do you think cnn is going to communicate this or msnbc whatever you call that absolutely not but he knows what he can do and we heard it today in today's gospel repeat with me nothing is impossible With God. Now, let's talk about another sin briefly. And I'm sorry your children are here. I asked the children not be brought, but do you mind if I say this? Okay. No, 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 don't leave. I don't want you to leave. Okay. Well, it's a sin very common to men. You hear me? Okay, thank you. Brothers, are you listening? You know what I'm talking about? Thank you. Say sí padre. Okay. When you're dealing with any sin, any temptation, not just fear, not just anger, not just whatever, you're tempted. You grab your rosary. When I'm tempted, I'm tempted. (laughs) And I say, I grab my rosary and it usually happens when I'm tired at night. I don't sleep much because I wake up early to pray. Between two and three in the morning. So if I go to bed at 11, that's about, on the average, three hours of sleep. So I'm kind of wanting to. I uh, grab my rosary and I just start saying in each beat. Say it with me Jesus, Jesus, Mary, Mary, Jesus, Mary, Jesus, Mary, Jesus, Mary. By the time five or six of the Jesus Mary, I'm out like a light the Lord and Mary took care of the temptation. My sisters and brothers, why has God allowed you and I to struggle with character traits, sin? Because he wants to show you how good he is to be the strong one in you. Now, some of us deal with guilt for the past, and we've confessed it till the cows have come home. Anybody there? Raise your hand. If you're still feeling guilty over the past, raise your hand, please. You've been there, you've done that, and you got the T-shirt? Amen. How do you deal with that? Let me show you the Father's heart. And I'll finish with this. I want you to know that this morning... Old redlegs didn't want me to deal with these topics. He made a real scene in my bedroom. I won't get into details. He didn't want me. He gives his cover away. He's an idiot. And I knew, ah, you don't like this. That's why I said the protection prayer this morning, when we began this afternoon. When I was working in the prison ministry in Peru, there were two warring gangs in the Amazon prison. One was for Lima. They were like the big shots, you know, Joe prisoners. And they were used by the guards to beat up the other prisoners, to beat them into shape. And the head of that group, his name was Johnny. The other group was from the provinces, like the other states, not from the capital. So one day I meet Johnny, I said, hey Johnny, we have mass tomorrow. I want him, uh, Sunday. Would you like to come? Johnny did this. Huh? Okay, you're invited next Sunday. Johnny, yes. No, you're not being rude. Is the dog here? God bless you. God bless you. And then fast. Yes, I love dogs. My brother says I smell people before I shake their hand. Thank you for coming. Johnny did not know that Monday, the next day after I met him, the ones that were from the other gang were going to sneak in firearms between wood because they were carpenters. When they got the wood to do their carpentry work, they took the rifles and guns and they opened fire and slaughtered the other gang. I arrived, there was blood, body bags everywhere. And I asked the guards, are any left? One father, but he's about to die. I got in my van, rushed to the hospital. Who do you think it was? I said, Johnny, it's Father Philip, you met me yesterday. He was bleeding through his eyes, his nose, his mouth, internal hemorrhage galore. I said, Johnny, God wants to forgive you everything you've ever done. Would you like to repent? And Johnny shook his head, no. I said, Johnny, God forgives very well. If you do not repent, you will go to hell. Will you repent? And Johnny moved his head, no. I began to beg him, I began to plead with him. Five times I begged him, please, Johnny, repent. And he did this. Now what was happening in the spiritual life, there was a tremendous fight between demons and him. They didn't want him to repent because they knew he dies and he's about to die. He's in hell forever. So I began and I called on our lady I began to pray the chaplet of divine mercy, and I began to do the anointing of the sick. In the middle of it, Johnny shakes his head, yes. God said to Johnny, so to speak, you've said all your life no. I'm not taking your no for an answer. You've tried to dodge me your whole life. I'm throwing a priest at you. And you can't move because you're motionless. You're in bed. You're lying. You're about to die. And you cannot dodge this one. And Johnny died forgiven. He will be in purgatory prior to the cows come home. But he is forgiven. Now, that's how much God searches us. And one more true story. I'm praying in my chapel in Tampa. Who comes and shows up in my chapel? My German Shepherd stands up and starts staring. A little girl that had been aborted shows up in my chapel. My German shepherd is staring right at her. And she says to me, Father, God has allowed me to come to you. You have my mother's wedding tonight. And she told me she had been aborted. She appeared to be like three years old, by the way. And he said, she said to me, and he wants her to know that he wants to forgive her and that I forgive her. And she left the chapel. What a wedding present. Of all the times that God in his infinite mercy could show her, you're mine, I love you, I want to forgive you. The day that his daughter is gonna get married. God forgives and forgives well. God forgives and has divine amnesia. And I can give you the Bible verses for that. So we're going to finish now this prayer so we can finish tonight. I know it's late. My mother's telling me, time to go to bed, honey. Going back home, living back in the Father's house, is that this prayer becomes reality for you. Close your eyes, please. And I'm going to say this prayer as if St. Teresa of Avila is saying it to you. And she knew this. And one of your relatives, St. Teresa of Avila, can now tell you from the viewpoint of heaven, let nothing trouble you. So I want you to give to God what is troubling you. Give it to them. Let nothing frighten you. What frightens us? What keeps us up at night? What robs us of our peace? All things pass away. God never changes. Perseverance obtains all things. those who have God like nothing, God alone suffices. Now please listen well. What I once cried out about, why did you allow this? after now living it as a son, and no longer as an orphan, I wouldn't change one detail, especially if those things that were the most difficult. Father's now gonna give a benediction as he's getting ready. Again, there are some baskets here at the doors that you leave. We have a lot of needs We're trying to finish building the sister's house. We live in the Amazon jungle. There's anacondas, there's venomous snakes, there's tarantulas, and they don't respect where you live or don't live, they could care less. So I need to finish the construction house so our sisters will be safe. So now what I'm asking is donations so I can finish building my spiritual daughter's house because they've outgrown their house. They're getting more vocations and we need to finish the construction. If you would like to write a check, it can be written to Family of Jesus Healer, which is our nonprofit organization. And that will be tax deductible if you write a check. Yes, I do take uh, cash also. So I thank you for your generosity. In the back of the church, I don't know where the rosaries are, Okay, we'll be selling rosaries again, finishing. And I don't know if there's any more bracelets for Maria and Jesus. Jesus is totally blind. He makes uh, bracelets in the dark. And Maria was raped when she was 15. Now she's incredible, okay? So we're trying to finish paying her little apartment by selling rosaries. And that will be at the back of the church for $10, okay? Tomorrow's topic is... How to live as the glorious freedom as sons and daughters of God. How to live that. And I want to include with that, how do you know when angels are speaking to you? The saints choose you. You don't choose the saints. How do we know which saints have chosen us? And finally, I want to talk tomorrow about this. How to meet God the Father as Father, and how to have Our Lady be the best of mothers in your life. Because there's many women walking around with mother wounds. And how does Mother Mary, Mama, mother us? In Jesus' name, amen. Pray with me. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. As we're about to finish, I want to recommend, if you've never been able to unload with your father and your mother, especially if there's wounds, to write a letter to your father and your mother, but to read it to Jesus in prayer. They will leap out and minister to you. Amen.